Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week, and I guarantee you you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. This is going to be a really cool episode because I got the chance to interview Dr. Jim Lowry, who has been studying our animal of interest since the 80s and has even published a book on them. So today, we're traveling to the southern United States and South America to talk about a mammal with a shell, the armadillo. So as I said in my introduction, you can find armadillos in Central and South America and in the southern United States. And because they have a pretty slow metabolic rate and don't store a lot of fat on their bodies, they like to live in warmer environments. They also usually live in areas that have sandy or loose soil because they're always digging. And there are around 20 different species of armadillo. The hard outer shell is probably the most prominent feature that armadillos have. And depending on the species, they have a certain number of bands running across their shell. For example, there's a nine-banded armadillo, a three-banded armadillo, and a six-banded armadillo. And we're going to talk more about their shells when I talk with Jim. Another characteristic that they have that depends on their species is their size. Armadillos can range from six inches, which is the size of the pink fairy armadillo, up to five feet long, the size of the giant armadillo. And some species have been known to live for over 30 years. Armadillos have been around for a while, and their relatives were absolutely massive. It's thought that an almost 7-foot, 500-pound armadillo was alive around 10,000 years ago in Florida. Even though they eat mostly insects and larvae, armadillos are considered omnivores because they will eat vegetation at times. And its closest relatives are anteaters, which isn't surprising considering how they eat their food. When they smell their prey underground, they'll start to dig using their claws. And once they've dug deep enough, they use their really long tongue to catch the insects. Their tongue is really sticky, so the insects can't escape. And their tongue has tiny barbs on it, and it's sticky because they have a salivary bladder, which secretes a sticky mucus onto the tongue. Armadillos also have different mating behaviors depending on their species. For example, with the yellow armadillo, the female will actually run away from the males that want to mate with her. Whichever one can catch up to her will be the one that she mates with. And because they're mammals, armadillos give birth to live young. Some species can produce 15 babies at a time, while the nine-banded armadillo almost always has four identical offspring. So they're basically having quadruplets every time they reproduce, which is pretty amazing. This is because the four offspring all come from one egg, which is called polyembryony. 
And if you've ever wondered what makes the difference between identical and fraternal twins, it all has to do with the eggs. Identical twins develop from the same egg, while fraternal twins develop from two different eggs. Okay, we're going to take a break, but there's a lot more to discuss. So after the break, you're going to hear my interview with Dr. Jim Lowry. Of course, it's trivia time. Here's your question for the day. What does a snail use their radula for? A. Moving B. Feeling things C. Seeing or D. Eating The answer is D. Eating They use the radula to scrape up food particles. Okay, we're back. Here's my interview with Jim. Hey Jim, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about armadillos. I can't wait to get into it. Happy to happy to be here, and I'll tell you whatever you whatever I can tell you. I will tell you. <laughs> um, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself first and how you became interested in armadillos? Ah, well, <laughs> that could be a long story, but uh, <laughs> I'll keep it. I'll keep it short, but. Uh, actually, I went to, I did my PhD work on uh, prairie dogs, which oh, okay. would be a good show. You know, prairie dogs are pretty, pretty cool. You ought to think about those. But anyway, um, when I was in grad school, my now wife, uh, we were not married at the time. She was working on armadillos in uh, South Texas near Corpus Christi. And I would go there to help her. Then when I I graduated and was looking for a job, I finally wound up at Valdosta State here in South Georgia. And I wanted to work on something that was local because, you know, to work on prairie dogs, you have to drive halfway across the country. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe armadillos. And it turns out that uh, armadillos were pretty much an empty niche where nobody had had done a lot of work, especially not a lot of field work. So um, it just seemed like a, a good fit. And so uh, we started to work together on that uh, in the early 1990s. And we've been doing it ever since. That's that's awesome. And can you talk a little bit about some of the research that you've done on them? <laughs> <laughs> We wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you. you know, I don't want to uh, read the book to you, but um, <laughs> um, it's mostly been uh, behavior and ecology stuff. But uh-huh. it's it's um, it's gone into a lot of different areas. You know, um, we've done a lot of uh, population genetic work, and uh, I think we probably talk about this later, but. Armadillos are um, sort of notorious in in the uh, in the Americas for being the only uh, non-human reservoir for leprosy, and so most recently we've tried to work on that a little bit. But um, over the years, I mean, it's just been about everything. Uh, just basic uh, habitat selection, time budget. You know how do they how do they spend their day? Uh-huh. You know they're not 
they're not active that long because they sleep about 18 hours a day in their burrows. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, um, it must be nice. You know, but when they're above ground, what do they do? And turns out mostly all they do is try to find food. They don't, uh-huh. <laughs> they don't do much else. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's just been a, an attempt to try and fill in a lot of gaps in what we know about their basic biology. Yeah. That's really important because, like you said, that there hasn't been a lot of research out there done on armadillos. So you guys are doing awesome work. Um, well, thank you. So armadillos are probably known best for their hard outer shell. Uh, can you just explain what that exterior is made out of and, and what purposes it serves? Well, it's actually made up of, uh, I guess, two layers bony plates that are called osteoderms Mm -hmm. that are these little circular structures and they're they're adjacent to one another but then over the top of that is a layer of keratin which is the same thing as in your fingernail or in a rhino horn for that matter and uh so you know people tend to think of it like a shell like a turtle shell it's it has nothing in common with a turtle shell, it's it's uh, it's more of a leathery covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what it's made of. In terms of why it's there, uh, that's a good question. Uh, nobody, I mean, the intuitive, obvious thing is everybody thinks it's to protect them against predators. There's no data that would uh, confirm that. Really, for example. You know, at least in the U.S., opossums are about the same size as an armadillo, and there's no there's no data that suggests that armadillos are less uh, vulnerable to predation than opossums because nobody's looked. <laughs> but you would think that if that was the case, that armadillos ought to be uh, more protected from predators than opossums are. But nobody knows. Uh, but there are a couple of other ideas. Um, it's possible armadillos evolved in South America, and they tend to be found in this dry, thorny kind of scrub habitat. So it could be protection against all that thorny vegetation so that they don't get damaged. And then um, if you look in the fossil record, there are these fossil forms called glyptodonts that, used to, that use their tails to beat each other up and uh, the current armadillos do the same thing they beat each other up as well oh really <laughs> carapace could have evolved simply to be uh, a protective covering against uh, attacks from other armadillos uh, but at, the, uh, at this point you know these, these are all possibilities nobody knows uh, which is the most likely oh, that's really interesting <laughs> Um, so do they have, speaking of protection from predators, do they have any natural predators? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it depends on age. Uh, you know, a baby armadillo, <laughs> like most babies, they're vulnerable to lots of things because mm-hmm. they're small and stupid and, <laughs> and uh, they can be killed by all kinds of things. But an adult armadillo I should uh, back up and probably preface this by saying, you know, most of what I'm 
from my, most of my experiences with the nine banded armadillos, which are found in the United States. Okay. But there are, there are 20 more species of armadillos that are found in Central and South America. And things are different with some of those species. So you can't say that, you know, everything applies to, to all of these things. Uh-huh. But uh, as far as uh, this, the nine-banded armadillo that I'm most familiar with, uh, for an adult armadillo, uh, the, the big predators would be uh, things like alligators. Well, in South America, jaguars would be a, a problem. Um, probably, at least in the U.S., the biggest predator is probably uh, human beings because we run over them all the time and mm-hmm. we uh, kill them because they're being pests. But um, but any kind of you know, big dogs can kill an armadillo. There are there are different kinds of large animals that can manage to kill an adult. Uh, the juveniles are more vulnerable to a wider array of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, once if you if an armadillo can get to be an adult, then it's uh, it's fairly. I don't want to say invulnerable, but it's 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 pretty secure. You know, it's not like it's it's uh, living on the edge. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's good, and I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of animals' biggest threats are are humans, probably. Um, and we we'll, we could talk about that later too. Um, so also another feature about them is that they have long pointed noses uh do they have a good sense of smell and do they have any other senses that they rely on well uh armadillos have most armadillos have very poor vision uh-huh uh, certainly the nine banded armadillos that are in the u.s uh they're not you know they're mostly nocturnal they have very poor vision so at best they probably see shadows uh, so the two senses that they really rely on are hearing and smell. Uh, they're pretty uh, they they're pretty sensitive to sound. If you're trying to catch an armadillo and you, you make noise, it's just going to run off. <laughs> and if you're upwind of one and it smells you, it's going to run off as well. So those are the, probably the two senses they rely on the most. Uh, but the length of the nose doesn't have as much to do with that as how they feed, I think. Oh, okay. That's that's interesting. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how they uh, dig their burrows? Because they spend most of their time there. They do. Uh, you know, it varies by species, but uh, typically they spend... Uh, for example, with nine banded armadillos, the average is about they spend about eighteen hours a day in their burrow, and only six hours above ground looking for food. So the burrow is an important thing, uh, and they do dig them. Uh, although there again, you know, it, it gets into the the same issue with diversity that. There are some species in South America that really don't dig burrows, or if they do dig them, it's just this little shallow pit 
mm-hmm. and then they they spend the night there or the day there, which whichever um, it happens to be for their activity uh, rhythm, and then they they go and dig another one the next day. Uh, with the nine banded armadillos that we have in the U.S., they um, they dig more extensive burrows. I when I say extensive, it's not uh, it's not that elaborate. You know, they dig a, a shallow tunnel that that um, extends down a few feet or so, and then they have a, an enlarged area where they have a nest. They they collect uh, grass and dried leaves, and they create a nest. And sometimes there'll be a, a passage off the back of that. And if they get uh, disturbed, you know, like for example, we've tried to to uh, catch armadillos that were in a burrow by trying to pull them out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, if we couldn't do that, they would sometimes they would uh, go down that back passageway and actually. Uh, dig themselves up to the surface a few feet away. And sometimes we would be clever enough to see that they were doing that and catch them sometimes. (laughs) You know, all all armadillos evolved in South America, mostly in the tropics. And so they're adapted to a fairly hot climate. And so if you have armadillos like the ones that we have in the U.S., where you get into uh, seasons of the year where it's, it's not as warm, then uh, you have to have a means of uh, adapting to that. And I guess getting back, I actually, you had asked about the, uh, the carapace before and what it's made of, but one of the other things about the carapace is that it, and this is kind of technical, physiological stuff, but it has what's called high thermal conductance. So it, what all that means is it releases heat really well. So armadillos are adapted to, to release heat. Conserving heat is not something they do. And they have a low, really low metabolic rate, uh, much lower than than most mammals of their body size. So it seems like, you know, that if you look at their ecological lifestyle, they were, they're adapted to live in these warm habitats where uh, conserving heat is not usually an issue. Uh-huh. That what you want to do is release heat, but they're not, uh, the burrows are not about, um, keeping them extremely, it's not like a hibernating mammal where they, they dig down really deep and, and keep themselves really warm. It's just about being able to to keep slightly warmer than the surrounding environment. That's cool that they have that strategy to, to stay warm when their bodies are pretty much telling, or pretty much built to release heat instead of uh, keep it in. So that's really cool. Um, so a lot of animals that burrow um, usually burrow with uh, other individuals. Are are armadillos solitary, or are they more social animals? No, uh, almost. In fact, I cannot think of a, a species that 
is social. They're they're largely solitary, um, except during the breeding season. Uh, but even there, it's it's fairly minimal. And then you'll have uh, after a female gives birth, she'll share the burrow with her her offspring for a variable amount of time, typically maybe a couple of months. Uh, they're largely in there. In fact, even uh, when a female gives birth and has a litter, at least with the nine-banded armadillos in the United States, uh, a lot of times once the young are, are weaned, so they're sort of semi-independent, they'll come up earlier in the day and, and start to forage while the mother is still in the burrow. So uh, there's not a lot of interaction there. You know, if you wanted to stu- study social behavior, armadillos would be a terrible choice. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot going on there. That's cool. Um, and so have you done any research into how smart they are compared to ma- other <laughs> mammals? Or <laughs> uh I know, the conventional the conventional wisdom is that armadillos are dumb. <laughs> and, you know, there may be some truth to that. Um, but you know, the flip side of that is that they're still here for millions of years. So apparently, they're smart enough to do what they got to do, and uh, it's true for any species that uh, you know you. Animals have evolved to be able to solve the problems that they are confronted with. Uh, but anyway, uh, I guess to get back to your original question, no, we have not uh, done anything to try and test their their intelligence. I'm not even sure how we would do that. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that's not an easy task. <laughs> and. You know what? No matter how dumb they are, they're they're well adapted there to their environment. So that's what matters. Oh, well, every animal is, or it wouldn't be here, right? Exactly. So, so they do what they have to do. Yep. Uh, and speaking of them being in an ecosystem, uh, what role do armadillos play in their ecosystem? Well, there again, it sort of depends on the species. Uh, but people have made the case uh, recently that they are ecosystem engineers because uh, their burrowing has impacts on uh, soil dynamics and the burrows themselves. You know, you asked about the burrows earlier. The burrows are used by an incredible number of species. I've, so the burrows are used by all kinds of other species. And so that's a big impact. Um, you know, armadillos, generally speaking, eat uh, a lot of uh, insects, beetles, ants, those kinds of things. And so they play a role in regulating or controlling those kinds of species in the, the habitat. So they, you know, they have a substantial impact on the habitats that they occur in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, whether the, 
you know, whether they're the most important or not, that's how do you decide that? But yeah. <laughs> but they're very uh, they're very uh, impactful on the systems that they're found in. That's really cool. And so a lot of animals rely on them and their burrows to survive, which is really pretty cool. So kind of going off of that question, um, what are some of the challenges that uh, armadillos are facing right now? Well, it's mostly, again, in South America with the other species. Uh, uh-huh. The nine-banded armadillos in the U.S., they get persecuted as pests, but beyond that, there's not a whole lot that um, seems to be a problem. But in South America, Central America, the two biggest issues that, ever, you know, when you talk about any of those species, the first two things you always hear about are habitat destruction, where you have land that's being converted into agriculture, you have fragmentation of the habitats, um, those kinds of things. And then the other big one is um, uh, human impacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, armad- armadillos are hunted for food in uh, a lot of Latin America, especially the, you know, not surprisingly, the bigger species, like a giant armadillo. Uh, that's a lot of food for uh, somebody. So, so those are uh, prized items. And so there's that. Uh, there's wildlife trade, which you wouldn't think would be a big deal, but apparently some people want to keep these things as pets for mm-hmm. who knows what reason. <laughs> uh, and so uh, those are the two big things. You know, everything... It all relates back to what we're doing to them, but it's either what we're doing to their habitats or what we're doing to them directly. Absolutely, it's uh, and it's sad that we're kind of destroying their habitats. And I don't know why people are trying to get these uh, animals as pets. That doesn't make much sense. They're not meant to be pets. It's a mystery to me. The pet thing, I don't get because they're they're terrible. They they're not social. There's no point in having a, an armadillo as a pet. Absolutely. Um, so, Anybody watching this, don't do that. That's <laughs> stupid. Please number don't. one thing to take away, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't have an armadillo if as you a forget, pet. You get nothing else, nothing else out of this. Don't <laughs> get an armadillo as a pet. Please. Um, please. please. <laughs> and this is going to be my last question. Uh, so, is there anything that the average person can do to help armadillos? I would say two things. For the nine-banded armadillos that are in the United States, the best thing you can do is just leave them alone. <laughs> let, leave them be. Uh, you know, they are a reservoir for leprosy, so messing with them is not a good idea for that reason. But they're doing well. Uh, they don't need a lot of uh, intervention from from human beings. Just let them be. But now when we talk about the the other 20-some species that are in Latin America, they they need more help. And so I will make a plug here. I think you know about this because uh-huh. you found me. <laughs> but if, um, if you wanted to help armadillos 
in general, not just the nine banded armadillos in the U.S. You should go to the um, the IUCN's anteater, sloth, and armadillo specialist group webpage, which that's a mouthful. So I actually I printed it out so you can, you can do this. <laughs> go there. Okay, great. I'll I'll read it off right now. Okay, it's. X-E-N-A-R-T-H-R-A-N-S dot org. And they have all the information you would need to, but to help these other species, you should go through through the um, specialist group website because they they know they have the best means of being able to to make something happen. Absolutely. Everybody should go check that out. And Jim, they should. It's actually a good website. Yeah. And Jim, thank you so much for coming on, talking all about armadillos. I learned so much. Um, and just thanks. Thanks for uh, answering all my questions. Oh, happy to do it. No problem. I'm so glad that Jim was able to talk with us about armadillos, and I hope you all learned as much as I did. Although armadillos aren't endangered, some species are vulnerable, and they definitely face a lot of challenges. If you want to help out armadillos, here are a few organizations that are doing great work to support their conservation. The Pittsburgh Zoo is assisting with a project called the Giant Armadillo Conservation Project, There's also the National Wildlife Federation and the World Animal Foundation. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explored the world of the armadillo. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we reference at www.onwildlife.org. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday to learn about a new animal. And that's On Wildlife. Listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray, brought to you every Wednesday.